The Islanders are starting to do really well in the, in the third period again. Successful teams need those kind of bottom six grinders. He certainly is not shy about taking shots. My goal in life is to one day pronounce this guy's name correctly on first try. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 156. And hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday with a question. How are you feeling? No, honestly, how are you feeling? It's been a roller coaster time since the calendar turned to 23 for the Islanders. The uh, roller coaster seems to be going up again right now. Uh, the Islanders, as we speak, back holding the first wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, but obviously have played significant more games than some of the teams that are trailing him. So I, I ask you, how are you feeling? The Islanders are, are certainly injury depleted. Matthew Barzell being the latest forward to go out with what certainly appeared to be a, a knee injury. And uh, the Islanders are, are saying, or they at first said, Matthew Barzell is out indefinitely. He gets hurt in a 6-2 loss in Boston very, very early in the first period, um, uh, they, they, the Islanders at first said he was out indefinitely with a lower body injury and then later clarified that it's, it's week to week and the plan or the hope is for Matthew Barzell to be back before the end of the season. And I think, you know, that some of that depends on where they are in the standing. So again, how are you feeling about all this? And I'll tell you, one guy who should make you feel pretty good right now, uh, obviously, as I, I speak, just a, a two-game sample, but Arnaud Durando uh, comes up and he looks the part of an NHL forward. Now, I'm not saying he looks the part of a top-line forward um, as he gets his skates wet in the NHL uh, starting on the third line, which is now centered by Casey Sezikis. But there was a lot to like in Durando's first couple of games. Uh, he, first of all, his skating, it's NHL quality skating. Uh, he certainly is not shy about taking shots. Uh, he seems to know where to go in the offensive zone. Coach Lane Lambert was uh, was praising him for... He's one of those guys that the puck seems to follow him, and that's not a coincidence. The puck follows him because he's going to the places where the puck should be going, and he's getting himself in position to be an offensive threat. No points through his first two games, but again, very noticeable. Uh, a couple of odd man rushes, and like I said, you, you see his speed. Um, he does have a little bit of size to him. He looks like a strong Strong kid. I mean, he's 24, uh, fourth season in the NHL organization. So before I, I got to anything else, because I, I really feel like, you know, whatever happens this season, the Islanders are desperate to develop one of their prospects into a, a legitimate NHL player. Obviously, we've talked about Atu Ratu being traded to Vancouver, and he was 
brought up from the AHL and it makes his debut with the Canucks, uh, you know, was it a couple of weeks after the trade, um, rejoining Anthony Beauvillier at the NHL level. So Atu Ratu is in Vancouver and Simon Holmstrom scores the winner uh, in a 2-1 win over the Jets. And that was good for Simon because Lane Lambert has talked even before that game about how he needs more from Simon Holmstrom, and, and Holmstrom's now had a long run in the uh, in the NHL lineup. He, that was his fourth goal, but you're, you're looking for a former first rounder to make more of an impact on the lineup, uh, not just be responsible defensively, although that is incredibly important to the game. Um, and, you know, we've seen William Dufour come up and down, and he's probably more of a down-the-road uh, type candidate. You got Ruslan Ishikov uh, at Bridgeport, and uh, my goal in life is to one day pronounce this guy's name correctly on first try, uh, or even second try, but uh, you've got him at Bridgeport. He's a little undersized. Time will tell whether he can translate uh, what he brings to the NHL, but the, the Islanders just, uh, with with their depleted pool of prospects, they need to hit on one of these prospects, and, and Arno Durando, and you don't want to make any grand proclamations yet, but first two games, pretty pretty good looking uh, for him, and uh, it, it certainly bodes well for the future. So just a real quick clip here. I uh, spoke to Arno Durando before his NHL debut, and that was uh, Monday night in Pittsburgh, and I, I started asking him about uh, you know, watching other players get called up to the Islanders while he spends three plus seasons in Bridgeport and a uh, very well-spoken kid, uh, well-spoken uh, person. And he immediately points out that two of those years are COVID years. So you, he doesn't really feel like he can count those. You're 24. You know, you see other guys go up. Is it a little bit of a battle not to... You'll get uh, whatever the word is, you know, go, why, why not me? I understand what you're saying, but I think my two first years were, couldn't really count those as, as full years. So right. I think even if it is my fourth year, I feel like it's maybe my, my second actual full year. So, and you know, it's, it's, of course, you see other guys get called up and everything, but I, I feel like those guys deserve it just as much. And, yeah. you know, I, I just got to keep, keep working like I did down there and, uh, you know, I got my I got my shot as well, so yeah. I'm happy for them and happy for myself. I, I know you were asked this, so I apologize. But what you had six goals in what your last six games? What, yeah. what what's been going right, and how tough a transition do you think bringing that game from the AHL to the NHL level is going to be? Uh, just things things been going good down there for lately. Uh, we've been winning more games. That's that also helps a lot. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, just just good line mates. I've been using my speed, shooting a lot more. I, I feel like, and you know, I've been getting lucky as well. But I think uh, you know, I'm a fast player, so I think yeah. even here, my speed will be pretty good. And if I play the same way, just shoot the puck. Yeah. You never know what could happen, and hopefully, score some goals and help the team win. Again, like I said, Arno Durando, pretty well spoken, and uh, uh, has looked looked pretty good in his first couple of games. Had three shots in that 2-1 win over the Jets. And and the players that Lane Lambert has plugged into the lineup, for the most part, have brought a little bit of energy. I know 
it's a lot of mixing and matching and trying to find the right combination, right? Um, they, like I said, they've tried William DeFore, uh, up and, uh, Atu Ratu had a run and Simon Holmstrom's been in the lineup and, uh, uh, Hudson Fashing much earlier this season came up from Bridgeport and he's been, I don't want to say a revelation, but he's added a, a steady presence to the lineup as well. Um, and then on the fourth line, you're swapping back and forth between Otto Koivula and Andy Andreoff. Neither one has really made a, uh, a, a huge impact uh, on the lineup. Um, so that, that's why I say you need one of these prospects to hit the, you know, remember talking a couple of seasons ago, Otto Koivula, you know, center, good size, you know, maybe down the road, he winds up replacing Sezikis as a fourth liner. And it, that just has never hit, uh, so far. Um, so again, if, if, if Arno Durando can, can, uh, follow on this upwards trajectory and really prove to be something, like I said, or started to say earlier, no matter what happens this season, and obviously all Islander fans and management and everyone wants it to end with a playoff spot, and I'm not uh, trying to talk my way around that, but whatever happens, if they miss the playoffs and they find out that they have a really good prospect in Arno Durando or whoever it may be. And it's looking more and more like Durando uh, would be the the solid candidate. Then it, it wouldn't be a total loss of a season. I know some of you have probably just driven off the road or slamming your forehead against your head, but I, I can't overemphasize enough how much the Islanders need to build something from within and they don't have a lot of pieces to build from within. So they really need someone to, to step up and, and be, you know, that, that, that prospect that, you know, provides, yeah, you know, it's a reality provides a cheap option for a couple of seasons so they can fill out the rest of the lineup with uh, some higher priced veterans. But Durando, uh, certainly looks like he can skate at the NHL level and will will eventually hopefully be a a, a, a points producer in, in one fashion or another. And then, you know, next season, if William DeFore can also join and he's a bigger body, now all of a sudden you got, and again, you know, I'm not writing off Simon Holmstrom, but if you can get those three forwards integrated into the lineup, it's going to give the whole organization a lot more flexibility to, to roster build in the future. So, uh, uh, like I said, you know, uh, Matthew Barzell goes down in Boston and then, I mean, they got run out of TD garden six, two, and they, they, they frankly look shell shocked in that game after Barzell went down. They couldn't keep up with the, uh, with the uh, Bruins one bit. Uh, I think at one point I tweeted that the Islanders had brought a butter knife to a sword fight because that's certainly what it looked like. Um, but you, you have that 6-2 loss and then you get the news Monday morning, I believe it was, that uh, Matthew Barzell is out indefinitely, week to week, whatever you want to call it. He's out for the long term. And 
they respond by coming from behind to, to beat the Penguins in Pittsburgh. And that's, you know, we've talked about this. You got to win those straight up matches with the, uh, with the Penguins because you're battling them for a, for a playoff spot. Um, and now that, that makes it three straight regulation wins over the Penguins this season. And that is, that's absolutely huge. And, uh, they got one more game there, uh, on March 9th. So, uh, they're looking for the four game sweep of the Penguins. But to be honest with how the Penguins seem to be falling apart, even with the goalie, number one goalie, Tristan Jarry. Coming back, to, <laughs> the the Penguins may be out of it by the, the, the time the Islanders get back to Pittsburgh on March 9th. But uh, I, I, I just wanted to touch on Hudson Fashing for, for a minute, too, because he's really, uh, he's the other guy that has really stood out. And he played a, a solid, solid game against the Jets. Three shots, logs, 11.30. And uh, him and Durando just had some chemistry going immediately and I, I think that's a credit to uh to fashing and also their familiarity from uh playing together in, in Bridgeport uh earlier this season. Hudson fashing uh, has been somewhat of a find uh for the team this year and you know he's he's never he's not putting up huge amounts of points um but he's just steady and uh, he's willing and, and, and he's, he's never not moving his feet and he, and he's looking, you know, he's a decent passer and he, and he, he creates stuff in the offensive zone and he gets in hard on the four check and, uh, you know, successful teams need those kind of bottom six grinders, uh, to be successful. And, uh, Hudson fashing is certainly with Cal Clutterbuck being out and, and, and the injuries to the team, uh, Hudson Fashing has been a, certainly a breath of fresh air, and uh, um, now you know we can touch upon this later in the season. It, it'll be a question of whether he's back next season. I believe he's a, uh, a free agent again, and uh, you know what? Other teams may take notice of how he's playing, and it may not be a bing bang bomb, and uh, you know Lou gets him signed up. So. Uh, uh, we will we'll, we'll surely be talking about Hudson fashing some more as as the season comes to uh, you know closer to its end. Um, looking forward, you know, you talk about these two wins that the Islanders get without Matthew Barzell, and that's four two over the Penguins in Pittsburgh, two one over the Jets. And, and what do you take out of it? Yeah, I, I've talked a lot about Arno Dorando, and I've talked about Hudson Fashing and, and Simon Holmstrom's goal. But what you really take out of this is Ilya Sorokin and just how ridiculously good he is playing right now. And when Ilya Sorokin can play like this, then honestly, you got to think, you know, the Islanders are going to be in every game. And now, whether or not they have enough scoring prowess to uh to to win more often than not I think that's still somewhat of a question and you know where you notice Matthew Barzell's absence the most right now has been on on the power play um as I look up my numbers here so the the Islanders entered that game in Boston uh on a 5 for 13 uh tear on the in the power play and and for for all the issues the Islanders had on the power play you know before acquiring Bo Horvat 
you know, the 3 for 64, the 0 for 25, however you want to divvy up the numbers. Now you have a power play that's making an impact uh, on a game-by-game basis, 5 for 13, right? And then Barzell goes down early in the first period, The and uh, as I talk, the power play is back to 0 for 9 without Matthew Barzell on that half wall uh, on the first unit. And, and the other night uh, against the Jets, the second unit had Otto Koivula in the bumper, or, or, or actually he was on a half wall most of the time. Durando was in the bumper. Uh, you had Sebastian Ajo quarterbacking with Ryan Pulak on the, on the other half wall and uh, Zach Parisi down low. And, and it was, it was an ugly unit. Uh, I'm not, you know, sorry, I can't mince words there. That was an ugly unit. The first unit, I again started having all those issues with zone entries that they, that plagued them through the three for 64. So, uh, uh, that that is one thing that you know could really hold the Islanders back in, in with the injuries. But again, Ilya Sorokin, um, you're going to see a lot of Sorokin coming up because the Islanders' schedule sort of uh, opens up here. It's not as condensed. In fact, the Islanders' next back to back is not until March 14th and 15th, and that's in Los Angeles and Anaheim. And then after that. Their next, uh, their only other back-to-back in March is March twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth, uh, and that's a game at Columbus and a home game against the Sabers. Um, so really, uh, Lane Lambert can ride Ilya Sorokin pretty heavily here in March if he really wants to. And look, you know, you heard the coach say the other week, or you know, that really every game is a must win now. So if every game is a must win and no disrespect to Simeon Varlamov, but if every game is a most must win, uh, you're almost compelled to put out your, your number one goalie and give your team the best shot of winning, especially if he's not going to be overtaxed in terms of the amount of games in March. So, uh, Ilya Sorokin has been brilliant and he's giving the Islanders a chance every time he goes into net and uh, against the Penguins and the, and the uh, uh, certainly against the Penguins, he kept the Islanders in it just long enough, you know, because they were sluggish at the start. He kept them in it just long enough for, for them to get their legs going in the third period. And uh, that, that, that's another thing. The Islanders are starting to do really well in the, in the third period again. And that was something they did earlier this season when they had a, a pretty significant goal differential uh, against opponents, and that all got whittled away as they stumbled through January and they stumbled through those three losses to the Canadians and Canucks and uh, and the Senators. They couldn't hold leads in the third period. That became a, a, a negative theme. So it, it was really good to see how the Islanders are starting to regain that that dominance in the third period. And again, that, that also goes back to Sorokin keeping him in the game just long enough for them to get to the third period and, and have a chance. So as I mentioned, the Islanders have one more game with the Penguins on March 9th. And then two days later, it's the first of three games against the Capitals amongst the season's final 15 games. So Really, those head-to-head matchups, uh, you've heard me say, you know, those could determine playoff spots. But at, at this point, 
we, we shouldn't be so focused on just the Penguins and the Capitals. Now, the, the Caps have gone through their struggles, but Alex Ovechkin is back from Russia, um, you know, uh, with his father passing away. So the, the Caps get Ovechkin back. So automatically, they become a little bit tougher. But there, there are other teams out there uh, besides the Penguins, who, like I said, without mincing words, the, the Penguins have been uh, a hot mess lately. And, uh, you know, the Islanders certainly took advantage of that uh, with, with two wins in three games. Uh, you know, they, they get the win at UBS, they rally in that game, uh, and then they uh, go to Pittsburgh um, and, and, you know, after the loss in Boston, sandwiched in between, and they do it to the Penguins again. So uh, the, the Penguins falling out of a, a wild card spot, they, they still, uh, as I speak, they had had, well, they're, they're, they were playing as I speak. So it's going to be four games in hand on the Islanders. Um, but really the other teams and, and, and the Capitals had sunk, uh, as I speak, uh, the Caps were uh, five points behind the uh, Islanders, but they had played two fewer games um, going into their game uh, as I speak. So that's going to be one fewer game for the Capitals. But the the Red Wings uh, also, uh, they, they, they as I speak, they'll have played four fewer games uh, than the Islanders, and they were within five points. Um, and then you got the Buffalo Sabres, um, same deal was it? they got five games in hand, uh, and they're, you know, they're, they were within seven points. So, uh, actually the Sabres are going to be, uh, five games in hand. Um, but whatever the point is the, these teams, it's not just the Penguins and Capitals. Uh, there, there's a, a really good playoff race for those two wild card spots. You got the Islanders and Panthers involved. You got the Penguins. You got the Red Wings, the Capitals, the Sabres. And, you know, and, and the Senators are on the fringe of that, too. Um, I, I don't want to say I, I, I'm not going to, you know, put the Flyers in there. I think the Flyers and Canadians and Blue Jackets are really the three teams in the Eastern Conference who are out of the playoff picture and sort of know that. Um, but uh, otherwise, that that's a really good race for the two spots, and, and the Islanders are at the disadvantage because they've played uh, more games than anyone, and, and you know their 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 points percentage is not as good as the other teams, even though they are holding a a playoff spot as we speak. So uh, going forward, um, you know you got to win those three games against the Caps, but uh, you know you also you're sort of hoping you get help and the Sabres start losing a little bit more and the, and the Red Wings start losing a little bit more as well. And, uh, and you got the Panthers to worry about as well. So it, it sets up for an exciting, you know, last, what, what do we got? You know, just maybe, uh, seven weeks of the season or so. Um, nothing, Nothing settled one way or another. Um, the Islanders could very much still be a playoff team uh, through all their struggles, and uh, it'd be quite an accomplishment for them to make the playoffs given the way they stumbled through January, um, honestly. But uh, 
the trade deadline is coming up on March 3rd, and uh, I'm going to save that kind of talk uh, for the Andrews Answers segment because that's a good bulk of the questions. But bo- before getting there, I just wanted to play this uh, this interview I did with Zach Parisi before, uh, before the game against the Jets. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the Islanders and the trade deadline, and we, we've talked about whether the Islanders should be buyers or sellers, we're going to talk about that again um, and if you talk about the Islanders as sellers, well, wouldn't Zach Parisi be one of the guys you're thinking of? Uh, he's again, he's on a one-year, one-point-five million deal, one-point-five uh, million dollar deal, uh, unrestricted free agent, and he's he, he's played a very valuable role uh, for the Islanders. So uh, we get to his thoughts on the trade deadline. We get to his thoughts about next season. Um, you know, it's not a given that he's going to play next season as good as he's playing this year. And, uh, I think you would notice Zach Parisi being out of the uh, Islanders lineup, honestly. Um, uh, so we talk about all of that, but we start, uh, with the discussion on the, the new, uh, second line, Zach Parisi with all these, uh, guys injured has moved up to the second line with Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri. And he talks about how that is fitting together. You and Kyle seem to have a good thing going with Brock right now. Yep. Why do you think that is? I know you, know, you and Kyle played together. Yeah. You, what's the equation? Um, I think it's, I think it's two guys. I know Kyle played with him a little bit, but actually had never played with Brock here. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's three guys that, that they go up and down. It's yeah. not, there's not a ton of you know mm-hmm. east west stuff. I think it's can be and so, you know same with him. It's it's predictable hockey. I mean, yeah. You know. Um, up and down the ice and nothing crazy, pretty simple, but it's effective. And um, and then uh, I feel like Kyle's really easy to play with in the offensive zone positionally. And, you know, mm-hmm. he likes to find that soft area, and so yeah. does Brock. So yeah. when you, you kind of know those things, it makes it a little easier. Yeah. I, I know we've had these discussions about, you know, how much you're enjoying yourself and hockey's fun again, right? Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. Um, has this... You know, sort of exceeded expectations for you. You know, when you join the Islanders, you know, you don't know really where you are in your career, yeah. and to, to have it come out like this, you know, what's that like for you? It's been great. Um, really, has been. Uh, you know, the I guess standings aside, yeah. last year was was great, um, and and this year now we find ourselves in the mix. Um, but you just, and I know it's, you just feel like a broken record, but you just, you can't assemble 23 better guys right. I mean it's just it's such a great great locker room to come into and easy and um, guys that enjoy each other and so um, but yeah it, it has you never know what you're getting yourself into and it's just it's been awesome what's the loot part of that just working for him again and, and, and the trust you have with him why well, it it's similar to thank you yeah those are ready um I mean, team-wise, it, it was very similar to was in New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, you always had you always had teams that just mm-hmm. just the guys got along, and yeah. it was great. Um, but you know, there's just and you know, I mean, there's just different. He just does things differently. Yeah, you know? and, and and it's great. It's structured. It's it's there's no there's no question marks. Um, you know what's expected of you, and so I think that really helped. Talking to him before coming here, just having that comfort of 
I mean, he tells you what's expected of you yeah. right away, and, and, and I had known that, but it just, I think it made the transition that much easier. Maybe indelicate. Do you have any kind of a range? I know the trade deadline's coming up, right? You, you know, I know how he worked it last year and mm-hmm. told him you didn't want to go anywhere. Is that sort of where you are right now? Or? I mean, we're right in the, right in the mix, so yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I don't think those uh, conversations will happen. Yeah. And, I mean, no. I mean, you love playing here, yeah. so. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> Ideally, no. You just you, you want to, you know, be a, be a part of this group and be a part of a, a playoff yeah. push and a playoff run with with this group of people. And just uh, you know, have you even started to think about next season? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're playing so well. Right? You've been on a couple of one-year deals. Right? I mean, and I'm sure. You know, getting the money from Minnesota and being bought, that gives you a, a bit of freedom, right, in, in your life. And it's, it's, I mean, honestly, it's, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's at this point, it's nothing to do with money. It's, yeah. and that's why it's been so enjoyable, um, just with whatever happened those last handful yeah. of years and then coming into just, you know, we just wanted to enjoy Play yeah. hockey again, yeah. you know what I mean, and and again, that's it's gone way above and beyond that. Um, so, you know, as far as as far as next year, I, I, I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, I guess can, can, I'm sure you can envision this continuing, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard. Yeah. Right now, um, but again, body feels good. I feel good. Yeah. Um, We'll see. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Zach Parisi for. Uh, I, I really enjoyed talking to him. I know I say that about a lot of these guys, but you know what? Uh, I, I remember. I think the first time I talked to Zach Parisi was uh, at the AHL All Star Game during the NHL uh, lockout. Uh, it was that two thousand four oh five? So it was. The 05 AHL All-Star Game, I remember talking to Zach and, you know, like, like, uh, you know, many Islander fans, you know, you grow up watching Zach's dad, J.P. Parisi, and you just have to tell Zach about how much, you know, how much you admired J.P. Parisi. And and to Zach's credit, you know, uh, I'm sure he's heard it a hundred times or a hundred million times. And, you know, it's probably not what he exactly wanted to hear from a sports writer. But, you know, he, he was he was great to talk to in 05. And, and he's just gotten better and better um, as he's as he's grown and, you know, become a, you know, a, a, a great NHL player uh, with a, who's had a great career. So again, thank you to Zach and uh, thank thank you uh, for submitting uh, these questions, uh, which I am now about to give you some feedback on. It's time for your questions with Andrew's answers, and we'll start with uh, Donald Castellucci the third, who says. I haven't looked through the schedule, but is there a certain point where games played will even out? It's hard to tell where we actually sit when considering teams have four or five games in hand with a with potential for 10-point swings. Hopefully more clarity before the last week or two of the season. And yeah, there, there will be. Look, the Islanders only play seven games over the first 
20 days of March. So really, I by the, the, the third week of March, these teams are going to be on a much more uh, even scale in terms of games played. And you'll really be able to tell where the Islanders are in comparison to the other uh, uh, candidates at, at that point. Uh, William uh, Koski says... What is a realistic expectation for a Matthew Barzell-less Islanders team? Uh, I would have to assume uh, the injury is the rest of the season. How does him being out affect the salary cap? Could they make a trade for a high-paid, well-producing rental-type player? Um, let's see. Uh, look, we, we assume that Barzell was going to be out um for the rest of the season as well. And the Islanders only clarified it to uh, week to week with the expectation or hope that he's going to be back again. I'm sure that's contingent on whether they're still in the playoff race or not. But uh, Lane Lambert was asked one, you know, do you expect him to miss the rest of the season? And then two, um, do you expect him, you know, to miss any time in training camp? And, uh, Lane, look, I don't blame Lane for this because he's, you know, he's, he's basically, you know, uh, following, you know, the, the guidelines that he shouldn't really divulge too much, uh, injury information. Um, so, you know, he sort of just said, look, he's out indefinitely and we'll see. And that sort of sounded like, you know, Matthew Barzell was going to miss some time in training camp. So that's when the Islanders uh, wanted to clarify that it, it, the, the hope is that we're not going down that road. So, look, I, I like I said, the Islanders believe or hope that Matthew Barzell can play at some point this season. How does him being out affect the salary cap? Well, I until they put him really on uh, long-term injured reserve, it, it's, it is what it is, you know. Um, to make a trade for a high-paid, uh, high well-producing player, a rental player, he would have to be out for the rest of the season, and that's when you would put him on LTIR, long-term injured re reserve, and you can spend, you know, uh, above the uh, salary cap that well that way, but that the, the Islanders are, that's not what they're thinking right now. Uh, L.I. Strong says, um, have to ask what's up with Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. They used to be a lockdown D pair and someone who you could count on. Why is this year they seem to be on the ice for a ton of big goals against? They just don't look like the players they were prior. Um, few things here, and I agree, and I spoke to Ryan Pulak about this the other day, um, and if you noticed, uh, Lane Lambert did split that pair up uh, against the Jets. He had uh, Adam Pellick skating with Scott Mayfield and Ryan Pulak skating with Alexander Romanov. Um, now, how much of that is trying to buttress Romanov and Mayfield, and how much of that is Pelican Pulak not clicking as well this season? Well, you know, Lane Lambert's not going to get into the nitty-gritty about that. Um, but when I asked Ryan Pulak uh, about, you know, how he would self-assess that pair, uh, or his pair with Adam Pelic, he, he gave, you know, he was honest. He said he thought there had been some good games, but there had also been uh, some some leaky games. And the, the one thing he mentioned, which I found interesting, 
was on ice communication. Now, you would think Pelly and Pooley, having skated together for so long, it would almost be like an unspoken uh, a thing between them in terms of communication. But Ryan Pulak did, and, and he said this before in terms of the entire team, that on-ice communication needs to be better. And that certainly goes for defense pairs. So uh, uh, for now, and we'll see if it, how long Lane Lambert keeps them apart, I would think at some point, especially if they get to the playoffs, uh, Pelican Pulak, you know, start skating together again. But uh, for now, they're apart, and, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. You know, just how well the, 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 the defense pairs seem to communicate with each other, Where uh, how well they, you know, this guy takes that guy, the gaps are correct, all that type of stuff. And it, it is... It has been a little wonky at times. Uh, Thomas Boyle says, um, two-part question on Ilya Sorokin. Uh, one, do you see him being a finalist for uh, the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP of the league? And how much will his AAV be next summer? And, of course, Ilya Sorokin will be an unrestricted free agent following next season. Um, I, 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 I don't see him... Be- I don't see him being a a, a heart a heart finalist for this season. Um, debate whether he deserves to be or not, but I, realistically, uh, with the voters, I, I I think they're going to go other ways uh, other than including a goalie in there. Um, now, if you're asking me, is he going to be one of the Vesna finalists? I could see that obviously much clearer. Um, I don't think he wins the Vesna this season, but uh, I, it wouldn't shock me if he's one of the uh, finalists for the Vesna. And um, how much will his AAV be next summer? Well, look, I, I, I certainly, if if you're his agents, you're, you're looking for whatever Andre Vasilevsky is getting. Um, but I think his AAV is is going to be around eight million, if not higher. And uh, you know, I've always been a believer that these high uh, goalie AAVs really hinder the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the roster. But uh, look, Ilya Sorokin is proving that he uh, that that he's earned it. So uh, you know, uh, I I think when he's a free agent, the Islanders, you know, if they want to retain him they're certainly going to have to pony up a ton of money. And I think that number starts around $8 million per season. Um, Bilio says, if Ilya Sorokin is going to play seven out of every ten games, what is the point of not moving Varley, uh, Varlamov? I understand loyalty to players, and it's great. Uh, but he honestly should have probably been moved last year for assets. He definitely should be this year. And, and I'll give you a simple answer for that. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I, we, we touched upon this in last week's episode, right? The, uh, the need for the Islanders to restock their draft picks and organizational assets. And you, you're probably uh, not going to re-sign Varlamov anyway after the season unless he takes a significant pay cut. And I don't think he will because I think he can go to another team and still be a number one and, and earn around the, uh, the five million he's earning this season. Um, and you're going to have to save money to pay Ilya Sorokin as discussed in the, in the previous answer. But 
I don't think Lou moves him this season because I think Lou believes that he has a team that can get into the playoffs. And what's your goalie depth beyond Ilya Sorokin? What happens if if something happens to Ilya Sorokin? You know, you know you can rely upon Semyon Varlamov. And, you know, I think Lou would see it as unfair to the rest of the team to move Varlamov and potentially, you know, torpedo any playoff chances they have uh, if if Sorokin gets hurt. So that that would be my take on it. And now I'm just going to read out a slew of trade deadline questions. And again, another one from Billy O. Um, where's the team going? What are they? They don't seem to be good enough as is, but it but Lou doesn't seem like he's willing to sell anything to retool. So how do they get better as they just seem to get older and slower? Ally Strong says, who are uh, some realistic trade deadline targets if we can continue this kind of play? Uh, Thomas uh, uh, Lamo says, trade deadline, what do you think Lou should do? I mean, this might take up all the time. Uh, Jack Anton said the Islanders currently have a four-point lead on Pittsburgh, five-point lead on Detroit. Problem is both teams have played five less games. Will the trade deadline, with the trade deadline looming, Len Marillo is in a tough spot, seller trade. Thomas Hahn says, do you expect trades to happen this week? Uh, Claudius says, are the Islanders buyers or sellers if the latter what could be the returns for Varlamov, Mayfield, and Parisi? Um, and I'll just say, if anything, I think Lou is going to be a buyer. I think he's got one more trade in him. Um, not not a Bo Horvat trade, you know, not a let's send away another first rounder and a top prospect. Not one of those trades, but uh, uh, one of those mid-level trades to bolster depth. Um you need a scoring wing. Uh, you probably need some defense depth as well. Maybe there are two trades. I don't know whether he has the assets for that or not. Um, so I, I certainly expect uh, either buyers or, as I suggested last week, status quo. Um, do I expect trades to happen this week? I, I think if the Islanders make another trade, it's going to be either March 2nd or March 3rd. Um Again, uh, Jack, I don't disagree with Jack Anton that Lamarillo is in a tough spot. It, it, it's it's tough to gauge exactly what the Islanders are. Um, the, although those two wins over the Penguins and the win over the Jets uh, may have solidified in Lou's mind what his decision is. Um, and, and again, you know, as we've discussed about Lou, He's always in a win-now mode. He doesn't believe in the rebuilding model. Um, Every season is a chance to do something special, and he owes it to the players on his team right now to make them as good as possible. Um, So, And that's that's not because Lou is 80. Lou was like that when he came into the league in 1987 with the Devils. So that's just Lou's philosophy. Um, let's see. Again, what do I think Lou should do? If you're going to make a trade, you got to bring in a scoring wing. Um, so 
Ally Strong asked, who are some realistic trade deadline targets? Um, and you, you've heard me uh, mention this guy's name a few times. I would check in uh, with the Flyers on James Van Riemsdyk. He would only be a rental. Maybe you can get him for a third rounder and that's it. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe even a conditional fourth rounder. Um, or maybe a pair of third rounders, something like that. Um, he would, he'd be a guy who could get you some goals. You could play him in the top six. He's not the player he was certainly four or five seasons ago, but he could also help out this power play, which I clearly needs some, some huge help at this point. Um, let's see, Billy, Billy O said, how do they get better as they just seem to get older and slower? And, Going back to the beginning, that's where Arno Durando and, you know, down the road, William DeFore are, are so crucial to this team's future. Um, v says, uh, just wondering about your thoughts about the C, meaning captain, with Bo Horvat uh, on the team. Is it realistic to think that he deserves an A as an alternate captain on his jersey, if not more? And, um... Yeah, I, I, I'm in lockstep with you. I, I, I think next season, Bo is going to wear an A. Um, and again, we'll have, you know, Cal Clutterbuck and Josh Bailey are A's right now. And I think there are huge questions about whether either one will be on the team next season. So uh, I think there will be A's to be had. And I think Bo Horvat, you know, having been a captain in Vancouver, uh, slips in there. And then, you know, after uh, Bo Horvat's contract runs a lot longer than Anders Lee's does. So, you know, I, I could certainly see Bo Horvat being the next captain of the team uh, once Anders is not here. Um, Johnny Pajama says, with the Bridgeport team releasing a Fishman third jersey, does that seem to indicate being a third for the Islanders in the future? Uh, I wouldn't discount it, um, but uh, the Bridgeport one was a white one. Uh, the Islanders reverse retro is a blue one. Uh, I think they did some really good marketing numbers on their reverse retro. I would expect it to stick around. Um... See, DGS, uh, Hudson Fashing, who we talked about at the start, seems to have more offensive upside than Martin. Why aren't they swapping those two, meaning on the, on the first line? Um, and you know what? I, I would push back. Uh, I, I think Martin, Martin has shown that he can chip in with the goal. He had five in the playoffs the, the previous season. And I, look, no disrespect to Hudson Fashing. I, I never expect him to see Hudson Fashing score five playoff goals in, in one playoff run. I just don't. And Matt Martin has done that. Um, how bad would our centers be right now if we hadn't traded for Horvat? Well, you still have Brock Nelson. You still have Casey Sezikis. But again, with J.G. Pajot out, yeah, you're, you're operating at 50% there. And you haven't figured out the fourth line between Andreoff and Koivula, so it's a point well taken. Um, and then DG asked, any cheap centers on the market that make sense? And I, I, again, I, I think Lou needs to spend his assets on a, a you know more of a, a top six scoring wing than a bottom six center. But if you're going to go that way, maybe you call up Chicago and see what either a Sam Lafferty or a Max Domi cost. Um, and then we go to, uh, Isle of Misfit Toys, who asks, 
What's the deal with the two newest upper body injury sufferers? They aren't skating. One literally left mid-game and is and is seemingly in the coach's doghouse. Do you expect, and this is Josh Bailey, to be part of the team past March 3rd or after the summer? Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I'll also ask uh, under-the-radar targets for depth forwards. If Lou buys, and, and I mentioned James Van Riemsdyk, and maybe, uh, you know, Lafferty or Domi from Chicago. Uh, on defense, maybe you call up Arizona and ask about Shane Gostas here. Um, but, look, we haven't gotten any updates on, on Pajot and Bailey other than they're not skating, which is not a great sign at this point. Um and as far as Bailey being in the coach's doghouse, I don't, I wouldn't call it a doghouse. It's just he's underperforming. And now, you know, whether it's Durando or Fashing or, uh, you know, Lane Lambert might have some other options. I do expect him to be part of this team past March 3rd. Um, I, I, I honestly, I can't guarantee next, next season uh, for Bales on the team. I just can't. Um, Adam Schechter will finish here is as much as Lou is a win now guy. Is it worth it long-term just to make the playoffs and face terrible matchups against either Boston or Carolina, um, or just miss and possibly preserve the first round pick this year? First of all, Lou is a win now guy. So, you know, that's probably your answer right there. But beyond that, uh, above Lou, uh, I cannot begin to describe how desperate um, ownership and this franchise is to host a playoff game or playoff games at UBS Arena. A, it's a huge, you know, a huge intake of money. So there's that business aspect. Um, so yeah, um, you know, ownership definitely wants to play playoff games. But, you know, this is the second season of the building and, and you want to start having playoffs in this building and you want to start building you know, a real Islanders legacy in this building. And it's been tough to build uh, through the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, having those special playoff moments in this building, that that's worth it to this organization, uh, you know, even at the cost of, uh, you know, maybe selling off a few assets. And I'm just trying to be real with that. And, uh, I'll be real and say that that's the end of the road for this episode of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Uh, I'm Andrew Gross. I'm on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. You can find all of Newsday's uh, sports coverage at newsday.com backslash sports and specifically all of our multimedia Islanders coverage at newsday.com backslash Isles. I'll be back with another one as we another episode as we approach the trade deadline on March 3rd. And until then, happy hockey, everybody.